Welcome to this audio recording by the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Jim Falk, President of the Council. We are a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization dedicated to promoting public awareness of global issues and the ways in which they affect the Dallas-Fort Worth region. Become a member today at dfwworld.org and help us connect North Texas with the world. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of Haynes & Boone, LLP. We hope you enjoy it. Oh, and the most important position he has, he's on our board at the World Affairs Council. Well, thank you very much, Jim. And uh, 25 years takes a lot of stamina, but it's been really a, a, a real pleasure to, uh, to, to be at DFW Airport. You know, the airport's only 35 years old. Uh, I, I've got, I got, had the pleasure of watching the first or the last 25 years, missed the first 10, but they've been an incredibly exciting uh, time. And... Uh, the airport really has grown and developed uh, quite a bit. Uh, I uh, greatly appreciate everyone coming out today. I, I plan on talking a little bit about what's going on at the airport, but I want to focus uh, on international air service since I, uh, this group is so interested in it. Uh, I have with me today uh, Damian Brook from our staff. Uh, he is uh, in our air service development group. Uh, uh, Damian recently joined us from Sabre and, uh, and has a lot of intimate knowledge about the uh, international marketplace. and how many passengers are coming from here and going to various parts of the world and what it takes to, uh, to, uh, to get a, a new, new uh, nonstop service uh, to, uh, to a new destination. Um, you know, Jim covered a couple of the points uh, in terms of uh, what the airport's all, all about. And, uh, and, you know, we are very fortunate to have 18,000 acres of land at DFW. Our founding fathers gave us uh, that incredible uh, land mass. 18,000 acres is about the size of the island of Manhattan, and, uh, and with that land, we've been able to build probably the, the, the best and highest capacity airport infrastructure uh, in the world. Uh, we do do about uh, 656,000 aircraft operations. Last year, we did 57 million passengers, and, uh, and Jim mentioned the, the, the Thanksgiving holiday, but uh, the, uh, on a daily basis, we do about 160,000 passengers at the airport, which is about what Texas Motor Speedway does every day, you know, once, once a quarter for their races. So we do Texas Motor Speedway every day at, at the airport. Uh, today, we're very fortunate to have a, a very well-developed uh, domestic operation at, at DFW. 134 cities are served domestically from the airport. We have 37 international destinations that are served. And again, that's probably one of our biggest focuses at the airport because it creates the, the, the best or biggest uh, economic impact of anything that we do uh, at the airport. Uh, nonstop service by a foreign flag carrier, say to Asia, could generate as much as 200 to $250 million a year in economic impact to the region. So it's a very, very significant, something we really focus on. We have uh, certainly... Uh, placed a great deal of emphasis on international air service. Uh, you know, just a few short years ago, we opened up our new International Terminal D. Uh, it was probably one of the nicest and fun most functional international terminals in, uh, in North America. Uh, it's a huge facility, 2 million square feet with 28 gates, and, and it has a tremendous amount of capacity. We think we can handle about 13 million international passengers in Terminal D. Today we handle about 6 million international passengers, so we have a lot of room to grow within that facility. Uh, you also, I'm sure, have observed uh, 
the completion of the Skylink, which was a, a, a very, very important project for the airport. The new people mover system connects all of our terminals together very rapidly, very efficiently. And uh, now uh, we have, not only do we have a great airport for the local passenger, but probably the most powerful large hub connecting complex uh, in the world. The, the ability to, to connect people from uh, terminal to terminal, international to domestic, domestic to international, is a very, very powerful um, feature of, of DFW Airport, one that we couldn't boast with the old AirTrans facility, but today with the Skylink, it has really changed uh, the impression uh, that people have of, of DFW Airport. Jim talked about economic impact. It's about $17 billion a year, about 300,000 jobs. And again, I think, uh, you know, we look at our role as connecting this region to the world. Uh, that's our vision statement, connecting the world. And, and that connection really is what drives a lot of uh, economic activity off airport. The corporate relocations that have come into, um, into the area have really been uh, quite a, quite a, you know, enormous or significant over the last several years. Uh, 24 Fortune 500 companies, but most recently AT&T, their decision to move to Dallas floor uh, not too long ago moved to Las Colinas. Uh, RIMS, the makers of the BlackBerry product, all have come to this region as a result of the the air service that DFW Airport provides. So. We, uh, we look at that as a very, very significant part of the role that we play at DFW Airport. We uh, continue to look for ways to make improvements at the airport. You know, with Terminal D and Skylink, we have seen our customer service ratings really rise. In fact, this past year, we were rated number one in North America for customer service by ACI. Um, but uh, we also recognize that uh, we have 35-year-old terminals, uh, terminals A, B, C, and E. Uh, we're all here when the airport opened, so we're now launching a new terminal redevelopment program that will start the week after the Super Bowl, and systematically we'll be going through the terminal uh, terminals, taking one section down at a time, and then rebuilding it from the ground up. And uh, we hope to have an outstanding uh, domestic terminal facilities when the project is over. It'll take about six years to finish as we go work our way around through all the terminals. Uh, we expect to invest about a, a billion, $800 million on, on that refurbishment. Airports are very capital intensive. Um, our last program cost 2.8. Uh, we're looking at this one to be probably under 2 billion. But uh, again, very capital-intensive uh, industry that we that we work in. Um, so uh, we all hopefully will all look forward to uh, several openings as new sections of the terminal come online. And uh, and uh, and again, that's uh, something that we want to make sure that we maintain our position from a customer service standpoint. I mentioned we were number one in the Americas. Uh, we were actually number three in the world uh, in terms of. Uh, uh, airports over 40 million passengers, so uh, we're uh, behind, I believe, Hong Kong and uh, the new uh, Beijing airport. Uh, so, uh, and these are airports that are 20 billion dollar investments on the part of the national governments, and uh, so we feel pretty good about where we stand uh, in relationship to our competitors and, and the other airports around the world. Number of really interesting issues that are facing the, the airport right now. Uh, I won't get into all of them, but uh, you know we have had a 35-year use agreement with the airlines that expires at the end of this month. So we will uh, we're right now working with uh, the airlines on a new 
kind of business model, new use agreement that will, will change our business somewhat. Uh, obviously, we want to uh, maintain our position as a low-cost uh, airport, but uh, again, that's something that has been in place for 35 years, and we are now looking to, uh, to change that, and will alter somewhat the uh, relationship between us and the airlines, not in a bad way, but I think in a very positive way. We mentioned that uh, you know we have 18,000 acres of land. About 6,000 acres of land are currently undeveloped, and uh, we are now looking at ways to, to utilize, utilize that land. You might have heard that we have uh, natural gas under the airport. We went through a pretty big uh, natural gas uh, exploration uh, effort, and and uh, we now have about 100 wells that are producing natural gas at DFW. Uh, originally, it was planned for 350 wells, but the price of gas you know, dropped so uh, significantly that uh, the ex exploration company, Chesapeake, uh, decided to stop production until the prices came back. But even at 100 wells and 25% royalties, uh, that's a new revenue source for us that uh, has been very, very significant. But the other part of it is that we have a lot of land that uh, we are attempting to attract companies who really can take advantage of being on the airport. Uh, close to cargo, close to terminal facilities. This past year, we, uh, we had three really you know, great uh, new tenants that joined us. Uh, one is the, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. They put their world merchandising headquarters on the airport. It's under construction today. It's a 400,000-square-foot warehouse that uh, they'll have a retail component, but that will be their headquarters for their merchandising uh, uh, center. And so... Uh, They'll be flying jerseys in with Tony Romo's name on it and, uh, and then shipping them out from, from Dallas-Fort Worth. And, uh, and it's a huge business. And if you can imagine 400,000 square feet of space for jerseys and hats, it's uh, maybe giving an indication of what the size of the business. We uh, also did a lease with a company called Sikorsky. Sikorsky, of course, is a helicopter company. They, they do helicopter parts. They'll be distributing those parts around the world, and including some helicopter blade refurbishment activities. And the last one across the street from my office, uh, Flight Safety, is doubling the size of their facility. Uh, they train pilots, uh, corporate pilots primarily. And so those are the types of businesses and industries that we are looking to bring onto the airport. Number of regional transportation issues. Uh, we're right now working very hard to uh, facilitate the connection of DART uh, from downtown Dallas and the T from downtown Fort Worth. And we're looking at about 2013 when when all of that will take place, and uh, we are in the planning and design stage of a terminal that will reside between terminals A and B and allow for passengers to connect between DART and the T, but also enter into the terminal buildings. Big project for us. Uh, the other big project is the uh, connector project on the north end of the airport, about a billion-dollar uh, roadway project that will affect 121 and 114 and the entire northern entrance of the airport. And, of course, we're also working on a number of federal issues, uh, things like the implementation of next-gen uh, technology. Uh, we're also looking at uh, uh, trying to uh, find additional resources, uh, either through uh, passenger facility charges or through AIP or Airport Improvement Program grants. Um, and we're working on a number of, of federal issues right now that are, that are very, very important to the airport long term. But as I said before, there's probably nothing that uh, is, is more significant, more important uh, from DFW's perspective than to continue to attract uh, new international air service because of the economic impacts that, uh, that 
really result from the, that activity. And, uh, and today we do have 37 markets. We have uh, quite a, a well-developed uh, market to uh, Mexico, and I think on your tables you'll see some maps of some of the, uh, the cities that we currently serve and some of the target markets that we have. Uh, but, but clearly Mexico is very well served. Uh, Central America is very well served. We have most of the major markets in uh, deep uh, South America. Uh, Europe, we now have five cities that we serve in Europe. We have two in Asia. And, um, and you know, you might ask, why don't we have service to, to China? Or why don't we have more cities in, in, in Asia or, or more cities in Europe than we do today? And, uh, and again, it's, it's a real um, effort for us to pr pursue those new routes with, uh, with new airlines. And it really has to do with a couple different factors. First, it's how big is the market place in in North Texas for for those for those services, and um, and how many people a day are flying from this region to to other cities around the around the country around the world. Um, also, uh, it uh, has a lot to do with you know uh, the alliance uh, alliances that are out there today. American Airlines is part of the One World Alliance, and with 725 departures a day. They can make almost anything work at a DFW airport with the feed that takes place from all the other cities that, that flow into DFW airport. Um, and so probably the most uh, successful and easiest uh, routes to, uh, to establish are ones where you have a One World Alliance partner uh, on both ends of the, of the trip. So, for example, American and, uh, and, and VA, for example, are, are part of the One World Alliance, and you do have the ability to generate a lot of traffic into DFW uh, that's going to Europe, feeding over uh, London Heathrow and connecting onto BA to probably 100 different cities on the other end. The, uh, the other airlines uh, who are not part of the alliance uh, must rely on the local traffic as well as the connections beyond their hubs. So, for example, KLM, uh, which is one of our more recent uh, airlines who have provided service at DFW Airport started over a year ago. Uh, they fly um, four times a week right now, but they pick up passengers in Dallas-Fort Worth who are going to Amsterdam, but uh, the majority of those passengers are actually going to other cities beyond Amsterdam and connecting to, to cities in, in, uh, in, uh, in Europe, uh, Middle East, India, and Africa. So uh, again, that connection, that, uh, that hub in Amsterdam is what allows that flight to actually be successful. And it's the cumulative de demand of all of the traffic from North Texas to, that are going to all those markets that fill that airplane each and every day. And in fact, you might on a, on a given flight to Europe, you might only have 30 people on that plane that are actually going to that destination. And it's all the other connections beyond that destination that fill the airplane and make it profitable. Um, we also uh, have uh, a couple other factors such as uh, uh, stage length and, and how long the, the flight is. And, and what you'll find is that um, DFW, while centrally located in the United States, sometimes finds itself just a little bit out of the range of some of the major markets that we are pursuing. So, for example, Hong Kong, uh, which is a Cathay Pacific One World Alliance partner, is just really too far for most of the airplanes that exist today. Uh, you have to buy actually a special airplane called the long-range LR air, uh, series of the 777, and it's, a, it's an incredibly long flight. And what you find, too, is that 
it cost a lot of money to carry all that fuel to make that mission. And in fact, we did a little chart that shows how fuel prices go up as the plane continues to, uh, to, to fly across the sky and, and basically by the time it gets to, uh, to, uh, to our destination uh, on, a, on a stage length of say 10,000 miles, um, you may be paying as much as $8 a gallon for fuel because of the cost to carry that fuel in order to use it to get to their final destination. So, um, you know, that is a big factor. And, there, and we're starting to see um, uh, we, there's some markets that are just really too far for, for some of the mainstream aircraft to, to fly today. Uh, but, uh, but there are some new airplanes that are coming online, including the uh, 787 aircraft, which is a uh, uh, forecast to have stage lanes as, as much as 10,000 uh, miles, which would provide uh, access to some of those further markets. So markets like uh, Taiwan or Taipei, uh, even Shanghai and Beijing, which are reachable, require the extended range version of some of the aircraft, but places like Hong Kong uh, even are beyond the extended range, and you need a special airplane, the long-range airplane, to actually uh, to meet, meet that mission. So, uh, uh, again, it's... Uh, and it's and this is, this is a business that's all about uh, economics and and when airlines are trying to figure out how best to utilize their aircraft, they have to determine which uh, which market to serve. So Dallas Fort Worth is not only competing against other cities in the United States, but they're competing against cities all over the world when that airplane comes online. And those airplanes are very expensive. The airplanes uh, cost uh, anywhere from 200 to 250 million dollars a piece, and you, to do a, an Asian flight, for example, you would need two airplanes. So, you're looking at an airline investing 500 million dollars to start a new service, and there may only be 30 people a day that are flying from North Texas to that destination. So, it's a it's a pretty complex and uh, pretty challenging environment sometimes, but. Uh, but again, I think there are uh, some great opportunities for, for, for Dallas-Fort Worth in the future, and uh, we continue to pursue those, those, uh, those markets. Um, on the table there, there are a number of markets that, uh, that we are currently uh, looking to, to serve, and each of them have different uh, you know, sets of opportunities. And probably the, uh, if you look at uh, uh, on the European side, uh, we do think that uh, We'd like to see KLM continue to expand and go daily service to Amsterdam. Uh, we believe Munich is a, is a possibility uh, in, the, in the near future, either by American Airlines or Lufthansa. Uh, London Heathrow, with, the, uh, with American and, and BA moving all their flights from Gatwick to London Heathrow, today we have four flights a day to London Heathrow, which is really quite amazing when you think about it. Uh, there, there actually, we believe, is a possibility for a fifth uh, daily flight to, uh, to London Heathrow. So, again, London Heathrow is the largest European hub, and from Heathrow, especially on BA, you can get to about anywhere in the world that you would like to get to uh, in, that, in that direction. Uh, there are some pretty strong markets in, uh, in Italy, too, uh, Rome and uh, Milan, and uh, and again, uh, those are those are markets that we believe uh, are target markets that uh, can, can be supported by nonstop service from from DFW Airport. Uh, if you look at Asia, uh, today we have service. We have two a day to uh, Tokyo, Japan. We have 
um, for, for a week to Seoul, Korea on Korean Airlines. Uh, again, the marketplace is such that uh, there's a number of different markets out there. We first like to get uh, uh, Beijing and Shanghai, which are clearly huge markets uh, for this area. Uh, Taipei is certainly um, in the cards, provided the right airplane is available. Um, Korean Air flies for a week. We'd like to see them go daily to Seoul. And with the right airplane, Cathay Pacific uh, is a part of the One World Alliance. And, and that also makes a tremendous amount of sense, uh, provided that you can find the right airplane to make that work. And then as we look to the uh, Middle East and India, uh, Abu Dhabi and Dubai, uh, Delhi and, and uh, Bombay or Mumbai are really clearly markets that are big enough to support nonstop service. Uh, some of those are challenged with uh, lack of alliances, and uh, and we continue to hope to see American you know partner with with uh, some of those airlines in the future. Uh, they recently partnered with Etihad out of uh, Abu Dhabi to fly to Chicago. So um, I think there is some opportunities uh, from that from that standpoint. Rest assured uh, that DFW Airport, uh, this is a very high priority for us. Uh, we are out there uh, telling our story, uh, marketing the region to airlines from all over the world, and um, it has the greatest economic impact of anything that we do. So it is a very, very high priority, not only for us as an airport, but for the cities of Dallas and Fort Worth. And I'll tell you, uh, the Mayor Leopard is a very, very strong proponent of expanding international air service, um, and we continue to, uh, to find new and creative ways to, to make that happen. And uh, we clearly appreciate his support for it because it allows us to do what we need to do in terms of providing the necessary resources to go after it. Uh, but there are some limitations, uh, and there are some real realities that we have to face. But uh, as we find those obstacles, we uh, we try to try to overcome those obstacles. Uh, clearly, the airport I think has gotten its message out. Um, we also have an incentive program at the airport where we provide um, basically free rent uh, and free landing fees for two years for any international carrier that starts service. So. Uh, for example, when Americans started Madrid this past year, they will get free rent and free uh, landing fees for two years to, to basically uh, help that service uh, um, you know, get started without any financial burdens from the airport. That's an extraordinary, it's about worth probably about $4 million uh, you know, for, that, for that new service. And, uh, but again, when you look at the overall economics, it's, uh, it's, it pales compared to how much the airlines spend on a daily basis to make that flight. Probably cost them 150,000 a day to, to support a, a Madrid flight. So, uh, anyhow, we uh, we uh, it's a it's a business with a lot of uh, expenses, a lot of risk, and uh, we try to minimize that risk as much as we possibly can. Just looking at my watch, I think the game rules were, were 25 minutes of me talking and 25 minutes of uh, you asking questions. And uh, I do really appreciate, uh, Jim, this format. Uh, I find myself wanting to point to the map and point to my airfield, but uh, there's nothing here, and this doesn't look like DFW, but, uh, and I don't have a PowerPoint, but, uh, but I, I do enjoy uh, answering any questions. And let me uh, open it up to you all to answer any questions anybody may have. Yes, sir. I know you have uh, some green programs at uh, DFW Airport, but I'm not familiar with exactly what they are. Can you describe those, please? 
programs in terms of uh, air service development or, or what? Uh, green is, <coughs> pardon me. Oh, the is, green, green program. Is, as far as environmental. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we, in fact, uh, we, we spent a tremendous amount of effort uh, on our sustainability initiative and kind of sometimes hard to know where to begin. I mean, we have uh, made huge investments at the airport, for example, to uh, change out all of our uh, coolers, bo boilers and chillers uh, to uh, very efficient uh, uh, natural gas uh, generated uh, facilities. I think we saw about a 90% reduction in, in, our, in our NOx uh, emissions as a result. We have a very comprehensive alternative fuels program. Uh, virtually every vehicle that we have is either um, is, is on some type of alternative uh, fuel, uh, with the exception of some of the heavy equipment that we haven't found an alternative yet for. But uh, all of our buses, all of our vans are all uh, compressed natural gas. And most recently, uh, uh, both mayors from Dallas and Fort Worth uh, asked us to initiate a compressed natural gas requirement or opportunity for the taxi cabs, which uh, has uh, we have now one, but we will soon have 20 compressed natural gas taxi cabs. They get front-of-line privileges. So when they come to DFW Airport, instead of waiting in line for three hours for a fare, they go right to the front of the line. And that one guy who has that one car uh, did about 12 turns the other day at about 60 bucks a turn. So uh, I think I want his job. But, uh, uh, but you know, it really does, uh, we are trying to find incentives to do that. Um, you know, we, we have invested probably $100 million on uh, collecting uh, spent uh, de-icing uh, uh, fluids from, from de-icing operations. We don't have much, but we do have quite a few days in the year where de-icing takes place. And we not only collect it, but we also separate out the de-icing material from the water through a huge reverse osmosis facility on the airport. Um, we also have done a lot of work in terms of our design and um, operations and and we have gone back and what we do is recommission these these buildings so even after terminal D opened up we went back using some resources from Texas A&M and we actually uh, recommissioned that terminal building and found hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of savings uh, from elect electrical consumption all of which obviously has a, a positive impact on the environment as well and just to give you, you know, some um, idea of the differences between the old technology versus the new, Terminal D, even with 60-foot ceilings, floor-to-ceiling height, has a, a, a footprint, you know, an energy footprint about 30% uh, less than the existing terminal building. So, uh, yeah, we've made a lot of progress in that area. I'm probably missing a few of the programs, but uh, virtually everything that we can do, uh, we have done. And if we find anything else, we'll, we, we go after it and attack it. Uh, and we were recently were um, rated, uh, or I guess uh, honored by the TCEQ as a platinum uh, level on the environment. And the uh, Environmental Protection Agency also gave us uh, one of these, I can't remember the name of the, the award now, but it's a, a leader in the, uh, in, the, in the sustainability initiative. We were recognized by EPA as well. So anyhow, we, we, it's a big commitment of the airport and uh, and. Um, again, uh, virtually every aspect of our business is, uh, is, is considered when we, uh, when we do that uh, sustainability. I was interested when you talked about the industrial park and how the Cowboys and some other organizations are, are, are moving in. How do you collaborate and compete with Alliance, and how 
um, do you link up with the intermodal facility that that's being built uh, to south of Dallas? You know, it's uh, well, first of all, uh, you know, we you know Alliance is a competitor as Love Field is. Uh, airport. Um, to date, um, Federal Express was the only uh, air, car air cargo uh, carrier that has uh, moved to Alliance. We have everyone else at DFW Airport, largely because of the huge uh, infrastructure of freight forwarders that, uh, that exist either on the airport or immediately off the airport. I think we have about 130 freight forwarders. Um, our cargo business is very, very strong. It's something I should have talked about, but uh, we have an enormous, uh, we have 14 different cargo companies serving DFW Airport. Uh, probably about half of our cargo is now going to Asia. Um, and uh, it's, uh, we have uh, probably six or seven uh, wide-body airplanes a day coming in from various parts of you know, Singapore and Hong Kong and uh, Taipei and, uh, and mainland China as well. Um, so uh, we... Um, have not lost any traffic to uh, to uh, to uh, to uh, uh, alliance uh, from from the cargo standpoint. You know the development that has taken place on and around DFW Airport uh, has been less reliant on um, the railroad. Uh, so there's not a lot of products that actually go from railroad to to airplanes. So the South Dallas, we don't believe that to be a competitor. We don't see us. You know, taking anything from them and nor them from us, and even Alliance typically has a little bit heavier product than what you would find around DFW Airport. So uh, uh, right now, everything there's kind of a, a balance that seems to to be working. Um, I don't have any real concerns about Alliance at this point in time. Uh, but uh, as time goes on, I mean, they will continue to, I'm sure, pursue. Uh, some of my tenants and some new tenants to uh, to try to you know fulfill their their goal of uh, becoming a, an industrial you know cargo you know hub for for North Texas and but we feel very good about our position and um, we actually this past year were voted uh, by the cargo industry uh, you know the best cargo airport in, in the in the in the world I guess uh, over 500,000 tons so uh, we actually uh, have been rated by our tenants as a great place to do business so. Anyhow, there is a little bit of a friendly competition, but not anything that I would uh, call a hostile or, or, or difficult. Probably one of the biggest concerns we have as we develop the airport is that we don't want to compete with Dallas and Fort Worth. I mean, you know, there is a lot of uh, feeling out there that we might present a competitive threat. And so uh, we are working now with a committee with uh, both Dallas and Fort Worth to really sharply identify what types of uses on the airport we won't go after. So things like large hotels and convention centers, we probably don't want to, especially with the new convention center and new hotel going up in Dallas, one just went up in Fort Worth, that's probably one we'll stay away from. But I think we really want to attract those businesses that that uh, really have a, you know, a definitive and direct need to be in close proximity to cargo facilities as well as the, uh, the terminal. And that's typically the kind of companies that we have uh, attracted. And we've had some great companies out there, uh, Avial, Pratt & Whitney. We got Amazon.com built a 780,000 square foot warehouse shipping product. A little bit, uh, but, uh, but anyhow, we have a lot of those really great names, great brands, and Box Global is up in International Commerce Park. So we've had a lot of success up there, and we hope to have more, and we hope to bring in more international companies to to locate their North American presence on the airport and take advantage of the superior logistics and distribution. And you also 
Yeah, we, uh, you know, we're in a lot of different businesses at the airport, and I never thought I'd ever, uh, you know, pursuing this uh, airport management, uh, you know, field. I never thought we'd be in, in the natural gas business, but we also in the hotel business. We uh, we own the, the Grand Hyatt Hotel. It was actually under construction right after 9/11, and we couldn't find any investors to uh, come up with the money to uh, to build a hotel. If you can go back to 2002, I mean, it was the economy was in uh, dire straits and uh, uh, money was tight and uh, so we went to the market borrowed about I think 80 million dollars and built uh, the Grand Hyatt Hotel so we actually uh, it's been very very profitable it's been a great project for us and um, and if I had to do it again I absolutely would but I will tell you there was a lot of consternation and a lot of uh, a lot of discussion before we entered into that business but it's been a, a great business and and um, that's, a, that's one of the finest hotels in the Hyatt chain we do not own the, the Hyatt Regency across the street. That's actually owned by Hyatt Woodbine. And uh, so uh, that is a – but they're not, they really don't compete. They're, they're two different products. They really don't compete. They actually complement each other. And um, it's been a very, very successful project for us. Yes, sir. Jeff, there was a lot of, uh, I guess, consternation in the business community when Delta changed their operating model. and and left the airport. Can you tell us a little bit about what the effect has been and, and kind of how you've recovered from that lick? Yeah, yeah I, I'm trying to remember what year that was, probably three, 2003 maybe, uh, when Delta announced that they were, you know, reducing their hub at DFW and they reduced hubs throughout the country, but ours went, was pretty dramatic. Uh, I think we had 280 departures a day with Delta. We went down to 28. Uh, in a matter of a, of a couple of weeks after the announcement was made. Uh, what was interesting and what is encouraging in our business is that typically when those voids are, are created, you know, people come back and fill them. And in our case, American, you know, added tremendous amount of new service after that. And um, within one year, uh, all of the losses of passengers, we recovered completely from that uh, event. So... Uh, Again, that's uh, one of the things that makes airports such good investments is that if the market is there, the airlines will find that market and, and fill those voids. And um, so we, we miss Delta, um, but we love American and, uh, you know, love what they've done for us over the years. And they have, um, you know, 725 departures a day out of DFW airports, their largest hub by probably 30 or 40 percent bigger than the Chicago hub. Um, but uh, again, Delta feeds their hubs in, in Atlanta, uh, Salt Lake City, uh, Cincinnati, and I think they fly to Orlando as well, but 28 a day, which is not a bad size, you know, operation for for uh, for an airline at DFW. Now with the merger with Northwest, yeah, Damien's reminded me that uh, Northwest and uh, and uh, Delta have merged now, and so. Uh, uh, they are now under one uh, flag, I guess, Delta, and they're flying to Northwest Hub, which is Detroit, uh, Minneapolis, yeah, Memphis. Yeah, so uh, we are now, um, you know, pretty well served by the North, uh, Delta Northwest. And they may have more flights today. I'm not sure. I, I didn't count the Northwest in that, but they may have as many as 35, 40 uh, flights a day out of, out of DFW. Right now, they're, they're our second largest carrier after Yes, sir. Jeff, what impact will the uh, restrictions at Love Field, which will expire soon, have on DFW? Well, you know, uh, 
that was a, a very, very difficult political issue uh, that I have tried to forget about. But, uh, but uh, 2014, I believe, is when the uh, right amendment um, basically goes away uh, altogether uh, at Love Field. Uh, one of the things that we felt uh, comfortable in signing that agreement was that there was a limitation on gates. The number of gates at, the, at Love Field has been limited to 20. And 20 is a fair number of gates. Uh, you can do about 10 flights per day uh, per gate, and so 200 departures would make it, you know, busier than many airports, maybe busier than places like Austin and San Antonio even. But, uh, but there is a defined number of flights that can operate off of 20 gates. Uh, we did the math, and we felt that that was not going to be a, a huge competitive threat in 2014. And... Uh, I don't know exactly what's going to happen then, but I suspect that Southwest will, you know, start going to the major markets of, in the United States, uh, providing kind of head-to-head -head competition with American and, and other airlines that fly to various uh, major markets. They probably they have to reduce the frequency to some of the you know, closer-in markets like Houston and Austin and San Antonio to, to find that, you know, to, for, you know, to back up that capacity. But uh, American, I think, competes with Southwest throughout the country, and uh, they feel very, very comfortable. And, and you know, they are building a new terminal at, uh, at Southwest or at Love Field for Southwest Airlines. I think Southwest has 17 of the 20 gates, uh, but we are also refurbishing our terminal buildings, and we specifically are, are targeting Terminal A to get it done just in time, just, just before the 2014 date. So uh, we are responding to competition. Americans responding to competition. But uh, watch out for Terminal A. When that thing opens up, it's going to be a beautiful, uh, beautiful terminal that will be very competitive. And, uh, and you know, American is one of the best airlines in the world. I'm, I don't, I'm not concerned about their ability to compete, uh, you know, for the marketplace here. And I'll also say, I think, you know, the way the demographics and way the the region is developing. I think DFW Airport is becoming more and more accessible with the transit connections, the highway connections, some of these toll roads that are coming in from, you know, McKinney all into the north entrance of the airport. I think uh, there's still going to be, a, I think, a, a very, very strong um, geographic preference to, uh, to, to come to DFW Airport. We just have to make our facilities attractive, our costs low, low and uh, and have the right uh, airlines providing service, and we 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 will we will compete, I guess, against uh, that uh, that new uh, marketplace in 2014. Frank, a follow up to that, and then and then the other question that I had: Do you feel like the city of Dallas is being fair in the way that it prices the landing fees at Love Field, considering its uh, you know its investment, of course, of both airports? And then I had a second question after that. Well, I, th I think, you know, uh, in, in recent years, there's been attempts to, I think, uh, rationalize the cost structure at Love Field. They've actually increased uh, the landing fees and, and terminal rents to, to really reflect what the costs are. Uh, the, the situation at Love Field, there hasn't been much investment there, so their cost structure is very, very low. Uh, but I believe it is it is fair and it represents what the actual costs are today. I think previously there's been some indication that they were actually pricing their product uh, below the cost, therefore being subsidized. Uh, I don't think that was intentional. I just think that was just a historical, uh, you know, thing that, that just continued on. Uh, but as they build this new terminal building, their cost will go up. 
and they'll always be lower than DFW. I mean, we're, we're 18,000 acres. We're a whole city out there. Uh, Love Field's much smaller um, infrastructure, uh, much smaller footprint that they have to maintain. But we will be, uh, I think, even after all of our capital projects are finished, we will be very, very competitive, uh, but we'll never be as cheap as uh, Southwest Airlines or, or Love Field is. Well, uh, landing fees, I, 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 I'm, I think at Love Field are probably a dollar twenty-five per thousand pounds. So if you had a three hundred thousand or two hundred thousand pound aircraft, uh, you know, it's at an average. So, yeah, uh, probably seven seven thirty-seven is about two hundred thousand or so. Uh, Maybe one hundred eighty thousand. Uh, one sixty. So two hundred dollars, you know, to land uh, seven thirty-seven. We are. Uh, actually at four dollars and sixty cents per thousand pounds so that same plane would would cost probably three times that but still in the big picture of things i mean that's a airport costs represent nationally of less than five percent of the overall cost to an airline at dfw i think the number is more like two and a half percent because we while our, our landing fees are extraordinarily or are high our our terminal rents are extraordinarily low um, to the point where we offset terminal rents with concession revenue, and in many cases, the terminals are end up costing the airlines nothing. It's free. So we have very cheap um, terminal rents, higher landing fees. But what's, one of the things that we are changing this in the use agreement, the new agreement, is to put more of our cost centers into our terminals where they belong and lessen the landing fee. So what will happen is that terminal rents will go up, landing fees will go down, and we think that's a fair allocation of cost, and our cargo companies will actually benefit uh, from that. So uh, um, there is some changes that are afoot, and we expect our landing fee to be around $2.80 after the use agreement is implemented. That's where we need to be. Yes, sir. Sure. Outside of between the luggage and the ticket center. Mm -hmm. If I have a three flight to pick up, I have a three kids, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, two hours apart. I have to go out of the airport to buy food and beverage. Why in that area, in the whole DFW airport, can I even find a one bottle of water? In the, uh, in the non-secure side? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, we've if actually... I'm waiting for luggage for seven hours. Yeah, and it's a, uh, it's a good I question. Have a diabetic. Well, in, on the international terminal, we actually do have some uh, some stores on the non-secure side. Uh, they do okay. Uh, we've had to give some rent relief to some of the stores because there's just not that much demand for for products and services uh, for the for the meters and greeters who who come and, and pick up passengers. I do think in this new terminal redevelopment program, though, that we will be looking for opportunities to at least have some kiosks and some some basic services that are out there. And uh, you also, I think you'll see some more consolidation of our ticket halls and more consolidation of our bag claim, which might create enough critical mass to make those, uh, those concessions work. Uh, but it, we, we've tried it on a number of different occasions. It has always failed because there just doesn't seem to be much of a market. But I will tell you, anytime there's a, a storm and people have to wait, 
everybody's calling, why don't you have it? But, you know, but they never asked for it when, uh, when everything was going smooth. But, uh, but I do think we'll find some opportunities in the new terminal development plan to provide those kind of services. Frank, I think, did you have a second part of your question? It's somewhat related to both of these questions. It just has to do with, uh, you know, there's just so much more food service and retail and things in the airport, uh, you know, now than there, there were years ago. Is that a material source of revenue? I mean, does it really matter to the airport? Yes, it, it does. And uh, it's a, you know, <clears throat> today, uh, you know, the food and beverage and the uh, re retail, <clears throat> they probably do about $250 million in sales in the terminal buildings. We probably get about 30, maybe 32 million in revenue from that. Uh, um, and again, one of the op big opportunities with this new terminal development plan is we will be creating concession villages in terminals A, B, C, and E centered around the stations for the uh, Skylink. And also, we will try to funnel the ticket, you know, passengers who go from ticketing into security. We are hoping to funnel the security checkpoints into those concession villages and try to drive sales uh, from that type of configuration. Uh, today, they're really spread out. They're hard to see. There's not a lot of good line of sight within the existing terminal buildings. But to, uh, to illustrate the power of having that kind of configuration, Terminal D does about $12.50 per passenger in terms of sales. The other terminals, A, B, C, and E, probably average around $7 per, per, per passenger in sales. So we're, we're hoping to get the other terminals up around $10 per passenger with the new configuration. And again, that will, will drive our revenue. And, uh, and, and just so everybody knows, too, all the revenue that we generate at DFW, we are a nonprofit. Now the airlines are kind of nonprofit too, but, uh, the, but we're we're, des we're designed to be nonprofit, and uh, and uh, every dollar that we make goes to lowering our cost to the airlines. So every dollar I make in a landing fee, or in, I'm sorry, in parking goes to lowering landing fees. Every dollar we make in concession goes to lowering our terminal rents, and at the end of the year we break even. Uh, it's called a residual airport. And if I make more money, uh, I give it back. If I make less, I send them a bill. But I wouldn't be standing here if I sent them a bill. I send them, I send them checks every year. And uh, this year, we even after this really horrendous year, we, we cut our budget, I think, $31 million. We lost about $11 million in, in uh, revenue from uh, just passenger uh, activity is just was down. Their, their spending patterns changed. Uh, we still were able to uh, provide an end-of-the-year refund of $8, $8 million to the uh, airline. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of hard work by our folks and, and, uh, and you know, a little bit of luck here and there. Found some, some real efficiencies uh, at the airport. But uh, so, so no one gets excited when I talk about us making money. Every dollar we make, we give it back, uh, trying to make DFW as cost-competitive as possible. And we are, I think, one of the most uh, cost-competitive airports in our competitive set, we kind of follow about 20 airports in the United States that we consider in our competitive set, and we're we're at the lowest uh, lowest quartile in that area. Yes, sir. Washington is sending a lot of money out uh, to highways and high-speed rail and what have you. Uh, in terms of the airports, did you get your fair share for air? improvement grants and, and what have you? Well, I, I, we got our fair share. Unfortunately, uh, airports, aviation did not, in my opinion, get near enough from the stimulus package. Uh, I think there was $1.1 billion uh, for the entire aviation airport industry. High-speed rail, got, I think, got $8, $8 billion. Um, 
other forms of transportation got much higher than we did. Um, but uh, we have uh, been very successful in getting our fair share. And, and a lot of the projects that we're doing uh, are not um, high-profile, glamorous projects. They are very significant major maintenance-type projects um, of our runways and taxiways. Uh, but, you know, it, it obviously saves us millions of dollars that we would normally have to borrow that money and charge the airlines for the next 30 years. This actually offsets that cost, and it's been a real blessing. I think we probably have gotten about 8 or $9 million uh, this past, the last six months from the stimulus package. On a follow-up just to what you were saying, what about next-gen? Are you getting enough money for next-gen? Because I know next-gen, next-generation technology is for not only safety and uh, efficiency, uh, issues in airspace, but also for the tarmac. Will you be getting enough money for that? You know, NextGen is is really a uh, uh, is a responsibility of the Federal Aviation Administration to implement. I don't know that we will have much of that cost ourselves. I think the FAA will come in and, and do that. But one of the things, uh, just you know, anecdotal, uh, we are uh, now doing this very high definition digital. Um, mapping of, of, of DFW Airport, about a $2 million grant that we received uh, in order to prepare for the, the next-gen uh, technology to be uh, implemented. So what, what you'll find at our place is that with seven runways and this highest capacity airport, the FAA focuses a lot of, of attention on trying to make things work at our place because if you can make it work at DFW, you can make it work anywhere. So we're usually the first in line to get uh, whatever technology it may be. Uh, and all these procedural changes uh, typically find themselves, you know, tested at DFW Airport. Um, so we have a great relationship with those guys, and but that will not be a funding responsibility of the airport. It will be a federal uh, responsibility. Your current master plan is... I guess circa 19, I mean, uh, I think in 97 was when it came out. Uh, are you thinking of a new master plan? And if you are, what are some of the elements or the horizon that you'd like to see in it? Yeah, we actually just recently completed um, an update of our master plan. And, and you know, uh, there's so much of our footprint that is kind of you know, locked in. I mean, our runways and taxiways are pretty much locked in. Our terminal areas are pretty much locked in. Um, but, you know, I think when you look at the, uh, the new master plan, what it shows is that um, there's a tremendous opportunity for more of this commercial-type development on the 6,000 acres of, of vacant land that we have, a tremendous opportunity for cargo development, especially on the east side of the airport. We have probably 300 acres of land that has taxiway access, situated between two runways uh, so we're in the process of laying that out and uh, preparing for future infrastructure things like uh, you know the transit connections a uh, big part of it a lot of roadway improvements on the airport immediately off the airport um, a lot of uh, kind of uh, what I'll call bulletproofing of our infrastructure we have right now for example a, a water reuse uh, plan that we are actually uh, buying reused water from, from, from uh, Fort Worth that will be spending about $20 million to put an infrastructure in to start, you know, watering our grass and trees and plants and everything with uh, this reused water as opposed to uh, potable water. Um, a lot of, uh, lot of effort on trying to, uh, to uh, fix our parking. Some of our parking lots are not in the right place, and uh, so we're looking at rearranging some of the parking uh, facilities. So uh, it's basically a, it's a kind of a 10-year horizon 
uh, yeah, they, they actually had a 20-year horizon, but this industry is so difficult to predict that we you know, felt more comfortable with a shorter-term horizon in terms of making hard recommendations. But um, our airport is in such good shape from a capacity and long-term perspective. We think we, you know, we're sitting here in 2000, almost 2010, with 650,000 aircraft operations, we think we can do about a million two hundred thousand aircraft operations. We think we can handle over 100 million passengers very easily within our terminal area. Um, I think we have 30 and 40 years worth of growth, um, and I hope we do grow for 30 or 40 years. But we have, and you can't say that about other airports. I mean, if uh, American Airlines wanted to add 100 flights a day at DFW, they can do it tomorrow. You couldn't do that in New York. You couldn't do it in Chicago. You couldn't do it anywhere except for possibly Denver and maybe Orlando um, in this country. So um, when you kind of project out to the future, you know, 20 years from now, where are these other airports going to be? Where is DFW going to be? We, we have the capacity to grow. And if this region continues to grow like it has, uh, I think, uh, you know, we, we eventually will overtake all these guys. But uh, but again, it's, it's hard to predict. Uh, there, were t- there was a time in my career that you can actually plot out the growth of passengers, but since uh, 9-11, a lot of the relationships between various economic factors haven't held, held true. So we, are, we want to remain flexible to be able to accommodate whatever comes their way, but we're, we're good for probably 40 or 50 years at DFW. Would you give us a glimpse of the airport of the future, DFW of the future? Well, I think, uh, I think what you're going to find, especially as we redo some of the, uh, the terminals, uh, there will be a, a, you know, a great reliance on self-service technology uh, that will um, allow customers to basically you know, take charge of their own environment. No one, no one really wants to interact with the, the ticket agents. You're going you're to see them basically go in, check their own bag, walk through. Hopefully security, I think, has a lot of opportunity for for the use of technology to enhance that operation. I mean, there's really no reason why someone couldn't walk through a tunnel, you know, of, of, of technology that would be able to detect anything and everything that, uh, that anybody might be looking for. Uh, in the terminal buildings, I th- in, the, in, the, in the hold areas, I think we continually, continually look for ways to try to entertain, to try to uh, encourage people to, to, to shop and eat. And, um, and really enjoy that experience, but at the same time for the business traveler, you know, wireless, you know, uh, 3, 4G, whatever, whatever the latest technology is, um, and um, so that they can use that time from a, from a work perspective. And again, as you go outside of the uh, jet bridges onto the airplane, next-gen technology will, will be the real big game changer, I think, for the airline industry. Next-gen technology really represents satellite technology that will replace the kind of the ground-based radar systems that that exist. Uh, It will allow airplanes and pilots to, uh, you know, basically find the most efficient route between point A and point B and uh, be able to be separated either vertically or horizontally and uh, and get to their destination in the most efficient manner possible. And then, of course, uh, land at uh, their airport in an in a, in a efficient way. Fuel prices or fuel costs are really such a big driver in the airline business. Anytime you can even save a small fraction, uh, it has huge uh, financial impacts to the airlines. But that's really what NextGen is all about. It's a 
it's an um, enhancement of, uh, of safety, it's an enhancement of efficiency, and the bottom line is, is that the airlines will benefit uh, greatly from, uh, you know, from, the, uh, from the fuel savings that will take place. You know, and I, I guess, uh, um, you know, as I look at DFW, you know, we continue to pursue those customer enhancements. Um, and I think with this new terminal development plan, you'll see a terminal evolve that will try to incorporate everything that's possible that's available at the time. And it will continue to, to evolve over time. Jeff, I'm a hip replacement person. And I get very tired of setting off everything every time I want to board an airplane. What do you see that will be commonplace? I have read about where we would have to go through a booth and the person viewing would be able to see the individual down to nothing, which really doesn't bother me because they look at one person right after another. But will that become standard or what will so that people like me can board an airplane much easier? I mean, that's a very, very good question. I wish I had a more definitive answer. I, th I think um, the, the technology that you described uh, is one that um, is very powerful, very effective, but also some people uh, may feel that their uh, rights are being infringed on. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, so it has not, uh, it is not, it doesn't have, it doesn't seem like it's going to last or, or stick around. I think I think this is an area that really has a lot of opportunity for 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 big changes. Um, TSA has been reluctant to um, to adopt new technologies unless it's absolutely foolproof and every every type of bombs and every type of materials can be detected. Um, and um, and because of that, uh, because of their 100% desire to be kind of perfectly safe in that area. Not a lot of things have been have come forward. Um, we're still using the same things we did seven, eight years ago. But I think there, there, you know, there's been enough time and enough investment made that I think we're close to having some breakthrough. I just don't know exactly what that will be. But I think over the next 10 years, you'll see that accelerate. One other thing I just want to let everybody know, uh, we have just implemented a new program called Global Entry. And I know you all fly a lot internationally, um, and I will ask work with Jim to try to find a way to email the applications to all the members from the World Affairs Council. Uh, I think you pay $100 and you uh, basically uh, fill out a form, have an interview with a, a member of, of the uh, Homeland Security and, uh, and once you get it approved, you can actually walk through um, custom, or immigration by, and go to a kiosk, put your hand in, look into the, uh, the light, uh, the iris will be uh, detected. You can actually fill your I-95 form out on the machine, and it's designed to speed for speed and efficiency and quickly get people through that, that process. So uh, just launched it at DFW a couple weeks old, and uh, it really does save quite a bit of time. And the sooner you join, the more benefit you'll get, because once everybody has it, then that'll be the long okay. line. That, uh, but it really will uh, enhance the uh, customer experience and reduce the... Uh, we'll send it out. Yeah, and I'll put it in there. Thank you all very much. I appreciate it. Thank you, it. Jeff. Yeah. Great job. And For more information about the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth, visit them on the web at www.dfwworld.org.